Wow, Amber, you're really busy there with the camera phone thing. She has to take our weekly picture. Okay, is that you're taking pictures? We do it every This is like show. the new way of doing shows, I guess, now is to... The, the phones are can, are constantly I don't know I mean that's something I've noticed with I guess I guess with the whole new age of social media and whatnot um, we do a lot more of that so I guess we're trying to be hip and cool oh yeah there's there's Chris doing a selfie that that's what that's called right that's a selfie so yeah we're here this is Ghostly Talk I am Scott L I'm Bonnie I'm Amber Rose and Amber Rose I'm Amber Rose <laughs> Amber I don't what do you want to now say who's starting I can't, I can't use my full name. I'm trying to stand up to see you guys, but unfortunately, the monitor's in front of Bonnie's I face. I kind of like it. You like that? Yeah, is I it, do. Because all I see is your boobies. The problem with this setup, we, just a, I, I guess you guys, this is actually kind of nice the way I'm doing this. I'm standing and talking, which is, this actually is kind of nice to do it this way. We've been having some issues with the, the subterranean levels of my estate here. Um, we, have, we have a lot of things going on down here, and one, the room we were working in, unfortunately, got usurp for another thing too so we had to move the, we actually got everything set up really nice like for one week which was last week and everything all set up the studio was great chris you got to enjoy that uh chris is back here this this week by the way and then all of a sudden plans changed and here we are having to move everything out to a different area a different area of the subterranean levels of my estate here so we've tried this the sound might be different do me a favor, those of you guys who are listening, let me know how this sounds. I mean, if there's something we can improve on, we're kind of working with, like we always have on this show, kind of working with what we have and what the environment we're in and whatnot. So if there's something we can improve on, we will for sure. So um, yeah, that's. I just want to get that out of the way. We're kind of working in different things. I want to see how the sound is. I'm curious because, you know, we were talking about that before the show here. Uh, Bill, you said that. Bill Konkoleski's with us this week also. Hey. <laughs> Damn dog. <laughs> so, Bill, you mentioned that before we were uh, we were actually, you know, started to do this thing, I guess, I guess live, I don't know, recording. Um, you said, you know, you do you do shows here and there and I don't know, did you say you don't listen to yourself very much? So I I hate here I Anything I'm like a part of, like if I like this show, I don't really like to listen to the art, like my show, like the other podcast I do, Real Crime, like they 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 I take piles of shit over there because they're like, well, did you listen to the show? I'm like, no, I don't like to listen to myself. I like to do stuff like this, but I hate the way like like most people, I think I hate the way my voice sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were ta- we were talking about that before the show over here for a second. I just don't listen to myself ever. <laughs> I can't deal with it. Every time I hear a recording of Ghostly Talk, I want to apologize to anyone that's ever listened to it. I cannot stand the way my voice sounds. Accepted. But you're here every week. Why? Well, not every week, but whenever we do this thing. Why? Because it's fun. I don't have to listen to Ghostly Talk. I was here. I know what happened. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that's part of the thing, too, is I don't really need to listen to it over again and cringe the whole way through it. I know what I did, so why should I have to listen to that stuff? Moving on, though. Now, Chris, you're back again this week. This was kind of a last-minute thing, too. If you guys remember the last show, and, like, we've done... This is, like, two weeks in a row we've done this show, which is a new fucking record for us. This is I like, know. This is brilliant, man. Scott's holding true on his promise to... Deliver more content. Yes. We're going to deliver more content here. Last week when we were doing the show, the, the, I guess the way this... The, 
the way last week's show or the last show we did kind of ended was kind of like a crash landing. I literally, it was, <laughs> if you could picture it, it was a plane land just crashing into a field. And that I was just, my fault. I'm sorry. I just, I just gave up. I, but one of the things we did get to talk about last week was this idea of dreams, which has obviously been something that's fascinated all of us for many years. And the story, you can you give us like a brief synopsis of this thing, real, like what you talked about last week, Chris? The story about your friend and how you guys saw each other? Um, yes. Well, my friend then, now my wife. But um, basically, uh, we lived a few thousand miles apart and oh, yeah. we had a i thought it was okay go ahead i'm sorry i messed up it was your it was your wife i apologize the first time was his wife yeah yes <laughs> um we were in a long distance type relationship and thousand miles apart or so yeah. and we had the opportunity to see each other and she drove basically hours and hours and when we got together we were talking and excited and happy yeah. and then she fell asleep and wondering what she was dreaming i got to, to have a quick little peek inside yeah and um it was a very uh intense moment for me because at first i i was standing there wondering what she's dreaming of and next thing i know i couldn't see anything um i thought my optic nerves were severed um and then slowly things started to come into division which yeah. was very different than the world that i left mm-hmm Bill, you're just sorry, Bill, Chris. Bill's Bill is, transfixed you're very <laughs> distracted no, by something. No, we gotta know what. What were you looking what are you at? Looking the face at? hugger. Those chairs, those blue chairs. Oh, those oh are, that's from one of my can, old vans. Yeah, you can buckle. They still buckle up. You can sit in one if you want. Yeah, if you feel unsafe. It's even got a cup holder too. It just—it's a long story, but I have something to do with my morning. How my morning went, but. <laughs> oh, we're gonna have to hear that. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yep. And that's the end of uh, Chris's story. So let me get into. No. <laughs> <laughs> Go right ahead, Bill. <laughs> no, so. Well, basically, that idea sent me uh, sent me into uh, I, I don't know a fever of of thinking, like, is there a way to consciously say, hey, I want to meet you in my dreams? And I, you know, with every horrible '80s freaking hair metal rock song, it's really tough to say stuff like that without sounding ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's something that Chris and I worked on this week. We every just about every I think I just gave up the last like last night. I said I just. I, well, you'll know why in a second. Um, we basically said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna meet in our dreams, try to meet each other, and see and see what happens." Right. Um, so, to be honest, this is a very crappy story because <laughs> I didn't see I'm, shit. I'm so glad we're telling it. <laughs> I didn't see shit. I didn't. I mean, I had dreams that I remembered, um, but I couldn't find you, Chris. I'm sorry. I looked everywhere. I know. I was bummed out too. I couldn't find you anywhere. However, what's your story? Well, um, not much of, of <laughs> one either. <laughs> Scott, <now> that you... <laughs> His story isn't good either. Um, you know, what I've found through the week trying this exercise with you, um, number one, I started remembering my dreams more and more. Uh, actually taking some time when I woke up to try to recall what was going on or what I was experiencing. Um, one night, I... I did dream of you, Scott. Um, this is such an awkward thing to do. I yes. Was so naked? weird. It just sounds wrong any way we go wrong. about doing it. But, I know, um, man. Um, it, was, it was a kind of a weird dream. We were yeah. working on a charcoal sketch there of a, 
some type of landscape with a little moon rocket in the background. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm completely creeped out at this moment. Yeah, so. me too. <laughs> um, so when this is over, I'll take a shower or something now. But um, it, 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 I don't think it was dream walking. It did feel very weird and a little bit off. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think I reached that point of lucid dreaming or yeah. that, that where my consciousness was still fully there. So I know part of the problem I think this week is we started that like on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We did like those nights, I think. And um, I had some real problems sleeping this week too. And I think that may have attributed to maybe why this didn't work out as well as this experiment didn't work as well as I thought it was going to work. Um, I, I didn't sleep but a few hours every night. So I was kind of, I was ready to go to bed when I went to bed, but I just wouldn't sleep. So I think that may have been a part of the problem too. To be continued though, I think on that. I mean, I think so. Cause uh, you know, since you brought up this old topic of mine, I started looking, doing some additional research yeah, and yeah. actually finding other people that claim to have done it as well. And oh, really? them offering tips and techniques. So okay. maybe we can, Let's read up on that. I would make like part to hear two of the experiment. Tips and techniques. Let's work on that, and then we'll come back. We'll try this. We'll, we'll talk about it again here, you know, and and see what what comes up. But I'd like to see. This can't be that hard. Maybe I don't know. What am I? Who do I, what am I saying? <laughs> I don't know. It just seems like you think. I mean, this happens with me all the time, where I think about something intensely before I go to sleep. It, it just maybe something like that's on my mind, you know, something that's stressing me or whatever, and boom, pops right in there. And then I have a whole dream about it. It just seems so easy to me that I go, okay, I'm thinking about Chris. He's on my mind. Him and I are hanging out. We're cool. We're, I know, this whole thing is so awkward. Date five, <laughs> it's baby. So, it's so awkward. I know. Um, it just seems like it, it, would just, it would just happen. But it don't work that way. I'm, I'm quite the opposite. I, frankly, I didn't really have that. I mean, usually I have. Dreams, was mm-hmm. as ridiculous as they may be, I do wake up remembering something that happened in the middle of the night. Uh, but this week, I didn't really have any dreams at all. So maybe it's like, you know, you're trying too hard, that whole idea. Maybe I should just let it happen. I don't know. We're going to keep working on this, though. But I thought it'd be fun to, if you, you, know, you were nice enough to come back and talk about that for a second and see what our results were on this little experiment we did. So... Moving on that from there. Uh, I want to know Bill's story about why he's transfixed by these car seats. Oh, this is a thrilling story. Oh, right. <laughs> so uh, my wife, uh, Becky, she uh, put some new fabric on some chairs that we have in the kitchen. And uh, I uh, got to see the results this morning. Cause Eat she was the mic, Bill. Eat the mic. She was uh, working on them last night, and I didn't uh, get to, to see the, the results. So this morning when I saw him, I figured I'd send her a text. She was already gone off to work saying, you know, I like the chairs that you did. So I decided to put in a little emoji of chairs. And so the the chairs that they have as emojis weren't really good selections. (laughs) So if you can, don't read them out loud. But if you could see where it says nice chairs... Oh my God! They look like it. They, and, they look. It's like the airplane chair emoji. And okay. then when I when I put those in there, when I put those chairs in there, I'm like, this is meaningful somehow. And I couldn't figure out. It was just this weird feeling, yeah, like yeah. these chairs are important somehow. Today, this is meaningful to me. And now you're looking at the ver- not the very chairs, but something very similar to those. About as close as you can get. Those chairs are from a 1990. No wait, what year was that now? They were from a 1987 Chevy Astro touring van. 
that I had for a couple of years. I, I actually bought it for my parents when I was younger. And the head gasket blew on it, basically. So I decided, okay, well, it's still salvageable. I can take it to the dealer and buy my first car. So I bought my first new car as a result of this van. And I bought the car, traded the van in, obviously. Used that as a you know trade-in, get some money for it. And I brought the new car. This is when I was still in college. I had my apartment. So I came back to my apartment. And I walked to my apartment. And I looked to my left. And there is this thing sitting there. And I'm like, oh, shit. That was part of the van. Oh. I, and I'm like, Dad, what do you think I should? He's like, well, you like the chairs. I, I never put it in the van. I always wanted to keep a space open for the carry gear and stuff like that. So he's like, well, just see what happens. They probably aren't going to call you. They don't care. And they didn't. And I just have always had this chair. It's <laughs> just always been with me. And anywhere I go, it just kind of ends up being a part of the, part of whatever whatever ensemble I have. And this is part of my living room for many, my main living room for many years. Amber would never put up with that now. She'd kill me if I brought that upstairs. Right, Amber? Right. <laughs> so, Bill, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you. It's cool to have you here. Um, people out there, I don't know. You were... I don't want to get too nostalgic, but you were on the show. We had you on the show a couple times, I think, uh, back in the old days. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Just in case you guys don't know, Bill Conkalesi is the state director of the Michigan chapter of Mutual UFO Network. Uh, you've been, as I've said, I, I remember now. You have been with us a couple times. Bill regularly delivers lectures on the UFO phenomena in the Detroit metro area, and has also appeared on television, on radio, and in print, sharing his knowledge of and personal accounts with the UFO phenomena. So, and we've had lots of conversations, and it's really cool to have you actually physically here. I think we may have had you physically we at were, one of the shows. Was yeah, it, or we was did. It, was yep. it, or was it at the conference? Was it, it at was, a conference? I think we were at a conference. Were we at a conference? All, all I remember is us sitting in the room, and we were interviewing Bill, but all I could do is stare at the creepy doll that was in the corner. I remember the creepy was that doll one of the quite Michigan, well. Was that at one of the Michigan conferences? Yeah. I was at your apartment, though, once for something. Yeah. That was when we had the studio at yeah, the old condo. Yeah, yeah, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, we had the old studio there, so you guys came over there too. I remember that. Yeah, uh, that was kind of that might have been towards the end. I don't remember. Towards we the could end. just look at the archive. Right? We, we, can, we can look it up. We could look it up. I we ruined your up. show, and so now you're back. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, being the state director here, how many years have you been the state director now? Uh, Thirteen since 2004. Holy crap. Yeah, nobody else wants it. I was going to say, is that a contested spot? Or, like, are they, are you, do they vote you in? Yeah, do they vote you in every year? Like, No. Oh, okay. So you're just kind of... Is MUFON that organized? Oh, no. I mean, in all seriousness, is mm-hmm. MUFON like that, that, that organized? Do you have elections and stuff like that? Well, things are mostly run from the top down, which the, the international organization, it's uh, headquartered out of California... And there are a lot of state chapters that need to rely on their being part of the international chapter for their strength. Michigan's okay. always been a really strong chapter. Mm-hmm. And the way that we've handed over authority has generally been the state director selects the next state director. And the international organization says, yeah, that's cool with us. So I haven't seen uh an election at any level at, yeah. in my time it's basically just been by appointment oh far out now you said something a second ago that piqued my interest you said michigan's always has always been a very strong mm-hmm. state for mufon i gotta ask it's a very it's kind of open-ended i'm sorry but i have to ask is there some reasons why for that 
that may be a bit tricky. We've been blessed by some very um, noteworthy members of MUFON over the years. Uh, Dan Wright, Shirley Coyne, um, Bill Murphy. A lot of the, the previous state directors have been great investigators and great spokespeople for the organization. Mm -hmm. Michigan is, of course, not only the Great Lakes state, but we're the swamp gas state. So mm -hmm. 1966, a mm -hmm. whole big um, affair where people were seeing UFOs all over the place. Yeah. Jalen Heine comes in, says it's marsh gas, swamp gas, what have you. And so Michigan has a rich UFO history. You got the Ken Ross event in 1953, the um, up in uh, Wordsmith Air Force Base, 1975, mm -hmm. Grand Rapids in 1994. A lot of really strong events keep people invested in the phenomena here and keep them excited. And um, the uh, the organization's been been very blessed to, to to be very strong now since I first joined in 1993. So you've been a member since '93, and you became the president in uh, 2004. You said. Yep. Fantastic. Hey, Amber, what are you writing? Not just I'm the president. I make notes so I don't forget things. So, <laughs> so, obviously, you've been a member since 1993. I know we've talked about this before, but I really wanted to get this out there as far, you know, we all have our story, and you could probably spend the whole night telling your entire story, but there had to have been something that piqued your interest in this as far as getting into studying UFOs, I, as far as, you know, having the, having the participation that you have now. What got you into studying this? The, well, UFOs specifically. I know there's more to it than that, but UFOs specifically. Well, it's had an, the phenomena has had an interest in me longer than I've had an interest in it. Uh, my very first memory of age two is a little gray guy coming up to my crib. Mm -mm. And I, <laughs> age four, age seven, age nine, yeah. ten, a lot through my teen years. And then yeah. when I got into my early 20s, I had a friend who said, oh, you know, you should tell your um, report to MUFON. And I'm like, what's that? Yeah. Um, well, I'm given a super edited version of the story. So actually, uh, she said the Center for UFO Studies, and the Center for UFO Studies said MUFON. So whatever. Um, God bless them. So they, uh, <laughs> so they um, referred me over to MUFON. I met Shirley Coyne, and she said, let's do some regressions. And, she's, and we did about a half a dozen of them, and it really opened up a lot of extra memories mm -hmm. connected a lot of dots i had a lot of faith in hypnosis uh, it really was proven to me how helpful of a tool it was and at that point i'm like wow guess what now i'm hooked and so i was really impressed with what they did i wanted to give back i wanted to be part of that group mm -hmm. and so i stayed on board so and how old were you again when this happened when which what the well, first the, with, the regre with, with the, the regression specifically uh, that was 93 I started doing that, so um, I'd have been 22. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, my goodness, over 20 years, basically, you've been doing this. Yeah, yeah. My goodness. As far as the experience was concerned, I feel like I, I, <laughs> I'm not trying to grill you with questions here, but as far as it, you said you had an experience, right? True. Okay. Do you, tear, do you want to talk about the details of that? You said, I mean, you did say there was a couple of things like, uh, and, and your crib, two years old. That was the first thing I guess you said. Was there anything more that you experienced with that as far as, I mean, if there's, if this is too far, you tell me to shut up. That's fine. I understand. I don't want to dig too deep. Please tell do. him to shut up. Bonnie, sh you haven't said a word yet, Bonnie, so you be quiet. <laughs> that, I'll turn your that mic off. That was my super word. super sass is activated. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the sass is activated. 
I mean, as far as details, I mean, that first experience, I mean, I'm wondering, I mean, you're two years old. That's very difficult, I think, to really remember those details. Well, there wasn't much to remember except the little face came up to the foot of my crib, stared down at me, um, had giant black eyes, sort of regarded me almost uh, with indifference. And then um, it stepped out of the room, and that was about it for the memory. While Mm -hmm. I was there at the foot of my crib, I was completely awake. It wasn't a dream or anything. It also wasn't a memory that came back years later Mm -hmm. or anything. I wondered whether or not it was real. It seamlessly came into my room. It left while I was completely awake. I screamed for my parents. My mom said, go back to sleep, go back to sleep. And I thought that was kind of strange. Yeah. But when I started to have munchkins of my own, I'm like, yeah, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go well, back to sleep. Yeah. That's something we've talked about a million times on this show is I know when I was younger and I thought there was a boogeyman in my room or a ghost or whatever it might be, my parents instinctively said there's no such thing as ghost. There's no such thing as monsters or whatever you want to call them, right? You're safe in your bed. There's nothing to worry about. Go to sleep. Which we both know that's a fantastic way. You know, it's a good thing you do. You're trying to help that child, right? And obviously you're, you're seeing the ugly end of that now as a parent. Um, I think what that does, though, is build filters up in our brains. It's one thing I mean, if there's anything I've learned from this study, from any of this stuff, ghosts or UFOs or whatever it might be, is that idea right there is, I think, from years of that, well, you start to believe that idea, like there are no such thing as aliens or ghosts or whatever it might be, uh, and you build up just a natural wall in your mind. Um, is that something you think, is that is that why you found that peculiar? You, you mentioned that you found that kind of funny because you're a parent now. What are your thoughts on that idea? And just to clarify, if I thought my children were in actual danger or something like that, obviously, or if I had some sort of sixth sense that an experience was happening to them, and I'm not saying that anything has, yeah, then I would be all over it. But yeah. I'm just saying I'm, I relate to the parents saying, oh, my gosh, it gets okay. crying again. All right. Okay. So when I was growing up, my oldest brothers, it's weird, I have four older brothers. The two oldest brothers have had a, a great number of experiences. Uh, we could go toe-to-toe with a number of experiences we've had. Mm-hmm. Then the next two brothers, zero between them. Nothing. Nothing at all. And then it jumped to me, which is really... That is interesting. And when I was little, really little, they... And I would say, oh, my gosh, these little guys came into my room. Yeah. Uh, they would be, oh, okay. They would be... I don't know if I would go full supportive, but they would listen and they wouldn't dismiss it, and they wouldn't say, oh, maybe it was a dream or this or that or whatever. They would just be like, okay, okay, you know. And, yeah. and when I got older, it, they started to tell me, oh, yeah, uh, this has happened to your older brothers too. These, well, weird experiences have been in this family for, for a long time. And yeah. Yeah. so they were just sort of guarding me as a little kid not to share too much with me and get me overly upset. But mm-hmm. when I got older, they started to share other weird things that had been happening in the house with me. Did your parents have anything happen to them ever or anybody? The best way to put it, and I'm always careful about talking about family members, uh, is it's, I, I'll, it runs on my mom's side of the family. Okay. Sorry, I thought you guys were talking. <laughs> so, I mean, you mentioned that um, as far as what these beings looked like, 
And it, I mean, it's kind of the idea, like the big, the big black eyes. The kind of, you said the kind of the gray, right? Mm-hmm. Um, has that always been consistent with all the? Because you've had multiple experiences, am I correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Many, like I said, two, four, seven, nine, ten, all through mm-hmm. my teen years in the twenties, and it started to taper off a little bit after that. And mm-hmm. now I have all other weird things happen to me. Not so much the classic stuff, but to your but, point. But to that point, they were always the same looking to you. They always kind of looked similar. There were f- altogether four different types of beings that I've seen. Oh, okay. There's the little three-foot gray guys that seem to be drone-like, um, sort of hive-minded, yeah. um, the worker you know, drones. And you don't really get too much personality from them or connection with them. Okay. They also, when you ask them questions... Uh, for example, like where are we going? Yes, we're going. You know, and you know why? Why did you take me? We took you. And so they don't really understand, or they 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 language. Well, not to get like beyond cosmic on it, but it, it seems like they are simultaneously extremely needle on the record in that exact moment, and while at the same time being super conscious yeah. of, of the universe. I get this weird sort of dichotomy with them yeah. where they know everything, they see everything, everything is all-knowing to them, and yet they only function moment by moment. Weird. It, and I don't think that they are capable, while they're in that form anyway, of being able to break out of it. It feels like the, they cram the universe into a puppet. And that, and you have these little sort of puppet figures. It, that's what they almost feel like. Like they don't really seem to be autonomous little things that had like yeah. uh, a, a story when they were young, and then they grew older, and this is what they do when they get off of work. That kind of a thing. So it's just they don't have. I, I think that what you just said is kind of what I was thinking too. Was they don't have a history. They don't. They don't have like as a person. I mean, we're all adults here, right? And we've all grown up. We've grown up with certain customs and ideas and standards we live by. We know how to respond back and forth. We have, we have interactions with people every day of our lives, professionally, personally, whatever it might be. Um, I don't know if I'm on the right track with this, but it just kind of has my mind working. I've often said about people, and the idea is like what you just said, we're just cramming a universe into a little body like that, right, without any history. Mm-hmm. without any type of experience to back that up. It makes me think of the idea of, like, if you were blind your entire life, like, let's say 30 years, you were blind, and then one day science discovers a way to turn the lights on for you, like that, and you open your eyes, like they inject you with something, I don't know, they give you something like shock, shock therapy, I don't know. Uh, you open your eyes, and I believe that <laughs> the sheer onslaught of information that will go through your eyes into your brain, to me, would give you a heart attack. It would just kill you. I think it's something you couldn't process all in one time like that, especially nowadays with so many things around us and so many distractions. Um, it seems to me that that would just shut you down. It would just kill you. So that kind of took me off into that area there with this with this thought process. But now you have what you're describing, these beings. There were three other types of beings again that I saw but now it's kind of like at this crossroads of explaining I think a little bit more of what I mean by them I don't think um, physicality is their normal um, state of existence okay. I think that they're part of a greater sort of consciousness 
that can move interdimensionally, move mostly astrally. Yeah. And when they need to be physical, they will be physical. And so I believe they have these little sort of puppets laying around, these little bodies that they can animate by putting a little bit of energy, a little conscious energy into it, making, you know, sending them out almost, you know, as robots, as drones, as, you know, basically. Well, you, and you said drones initially, yeah. Yeah, go get the, you know, go get the guy, you know, and they come and get me. And and then their job is done, and then they can pop the energy out of these little bodies, and then um, then it's on to the next step of the experience. Probes. Drones, uh. like you said, probes, drones. I didn't say probe. You're, you're <laughs> on the wrong spot already here. Be quiet. For the record, no, never. <laughs> <laughs> so there is that. So that's like number one. Never that's tagged like, in the can. That's number one. <laughs> that's number one. So... <laughs> So a little gray. That's kind of the first thing you saw. What was this, what was the next thing uh, as far as seeing? There's a five foot variety of them, and the five foot. It's hard to tell if they're the, actually the same species or if, or or what makes them so similar, yeah. and yet what makes them so different. Yeah. The the five foot tall ones seem to understand people a lot better. Yeah. They are able to communicate. All communication with them is telepathic, but they be they're able to have a more real conversation. Yeah. And they seem to direct the little grays, and they seem to be more of the I guess I would say white collar workers in the in the community. Yeah. Yeah. And above them is uh, another being that's upper management, which is a seven foot tall, roughly at least the one I saw. Um, praying mantis type being. Mm-mm. Holy shit! Mm-mm. Looks just like a pray, praying Mm-mm. mantis, only scarier. Nope. Oh, that Mm-mm. sounds amazing. It has has super intense energy. Uh, I couldn't even look at it. I would glance at it, and I would have to look away. It has such com- hyper compressed energy within it. It just to be around it is way too much. Was there any kind of communication with this third level we're talking about, the upper management? When I was a teenager, I made it really difficult to have experiences. I set up a, an obstacle course in my room, which started at the front door. I had a snare drum stick wedged between the dresser and the door so you could only open the door so far. Yeah. Then I had a, a fan blowing on me so that uh, when I closed my eyes, I could feel a break in the wind between the fan and myself. Usually had the light, well, always had the lights on, then either TV or radio on. Yeah. I would have the curtains closed so nobody could sort of recon the room. Mm-hmm. And I had junk uh, dumped all over the floor to create an obstacle course. And You'd make noise, too, obviously. They'd be tripping all over the place. Yep, none of it ever worked, but... <laughs> Uh, the and then try to explain to your ma, you know, the reason I got a messy room like this, you know, <laughs> keep it's the, the aliens out. Manus. Yeah. <laughs> but um, they brought me in front of the the mantis because during the time when I was doing this obstacle course, I was trying to figure out any possible way to to short circuit them coming to get me. I would stay yeah. up as late as possible and just sort of put out energies hey don't come you're not welcome here yeah. that sort of a thing and i knew that when i was being taken i was i was being difficult as well when i was little they had a very playful aspect with me they treated themselves you know they treated me as one of their little friends to have me warm up to them yeah by the time it got to the teen years it was all business and so i started to resist in any way i could so they brought me in front of at that time the um it was analogous to them bringing me in front of the principal of the school. Okay. You know, to put a, a scare into me. Yeah. That would be the best analogy. And so this thing, this uh, praying mantis said, go along with what you're being told to do. You will understand 
once it's done the benefits to you but stop resisting and I don't really think I stopped resisting but I was scared and I'm like uh-huh uh-huh you know kind of a thing well, yeah, just, just some of death and get out of there I don't blame you and yeah. when this thing talked to you was it was it telepathic in a dream yeah. no what do you mean in a dream like we're okay so they they you're communicating with this thing yeah. what's the what's the setting like are, are you physically being brought somewhere or are you yeah. sort of yeah so yeah, when would that a, happen hmm? when would that happen at night it did happen at night. It was uh, um, late 80s, and there was another experience where I believed there was a mantis in the room outside in the hallway, but this was the one time they actually brought me to physically on the ship. There's a, I, I've done even a, a floor plan of what I believe their craft looks like based upon the number of times of I've been there. Yeah, It's not very popular to show to people, I, and I, I haven't quite figured out why, but uh, I'd be like, look, this is what it looks like, so I can show you. And, they, and that's somehow that creates some sort of, I don't know, disconnect or suspicion, like, oh, my gosh, he's gone too far. He's jumped a shark. He's drawn a map <laughs> of where he's went, you know, somehow. But, um, so I don't really share that very much just because most people don't seem to want to see it. But, yeah, there's a room, um, and it seems to be a room specifically. The last possible room they let people into in terms of depth of the, the floor plan of the ship and beyond that. Yeah. It's only the aliens that are allowed to go there. And so this thing was brought out of its normal environment just far enough to the very edge of where they could also bring people. And it was a darkened room, and there were a lot of little grays around and, you know, gave me the message, and then they took me away. The other um, one, just to, to, to wrap it up, the, the four different types of beings, is twice I saw a girl that uh, appeared to be part us and part them. Uh, some people, when they have these types of experience with what's called hybrids, they feel a kinship with them, like they think, oh, it's uh, a child of theirs in many cases, or some kind of a, a lover or something like that, some sort of deeply personal connection. Yeah. My uh, first experience pretty much... Uh, is is what sticks in my mind. I was laying in bed and I woke up and there's um, this girl in the room mm-hmm. and she's got she looks like a normal person except um, very unhealthy, really uh, straw like hair and her eyes are larger than normal people's but not quite as large as theirs. Mm-hmm. And she's nude but not in any sort of enticing way, just like sort of a sad, scared way and. I'm looking at her, and then I look behind her, and there's three little grays, and we're just kind of staring at each other. Uh, For some reason, I'm not scared at that moment. And I say to the little grays, I'm like, you know, what's what's going on here? And um, they just look back, and I'm like, okay, they clearly want us to interact somehow. So I said to them, "Um, what's her name? And they responded back to me, yes, yes, what's her name? What's her name? (laughs) <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, they want me to give her a name, so I'm just going to call her something gentle and, uh, you know, flattering, hopefully, Angel. I'll call her Angel. Yeah. And they're like, yay. <laughs> you know, they were all excited. Not They didn't like, it wasn't like <laughs> Kermit the Frog, you know, it sounds around, like woodland, but... <laughs> the woodland critter Christmas <laughs> creatures. But this sort of pop of excitement in their um, telepathic yeah. vibe out to me. And so, I, and then at that point, they left. They phased sideways out the wall. They, it just like there was something outside the wall that sucked them through the wall sideways, and they disappeared. So they just they had the hybrid there, right? The yeah. hybrid's there. So all you did was more or less just give her a name. Yeah. There was there was no other interaction. I mean, you obviously that was it. That was it, huh? 
They just wanted you to give her. I mean, I, and I'm not mocking this in any way whatsoever, but they just wanted you to give her a name, and yeah. that was it. They were happy with that, and they just moved on. I mean, I, I could have made the story more exciting, but no, that's... no, no. I'm not saying I'm not. <laughs> but I'm, that's no, really no, no, what. No, no. I, but that's no, all I didn't that mean happened. It like that. We high fived. Just... We had pizza. <laughs> played some games. Uno. No, I didn't mean it like that. I, I just, I just find it peculiar that that's was they were interested in that and they were happy with that and they moved on, mm-hmm. right? Um, now, as far as a hybrid's concerned, I mean, I don't. Is is this like? What, right. There's a lot of people that talk about the Nordics or like a Nordic type bean with like these these bright blue eyes that are usually a little larger and this blonde hair. Mm-hmm. Um, is this something like? Am I thinking of the same type of no, thing? Or no, does it sound totally like it at all? Completely different. Completely different. Yeah. Okay. I mean, from what you described, she sounded, she was very feeble, very sick looking. Yep. I and did, did she? I mean, you in your. As far as your impression, was she sick? Was she like not, like not healthy? I mean, you said those things like she wasn't healthy. I get I get the impression, and this is I, I suppose backed up by a lot of other experiencers yeah. who've had uh, encounters with these. The compared to people that are raised in a normal human environment with normal sunlight and normal parenting and normal food that's intended to nourish people that's earth grown or whatever. You have a healthy person, but when you take one of the, you know, you basically create a half-human baby and raise it in space and whatever light system, whatever nourishment they have, it's not going to be a healthy-looking person. they're going to look different. And I got the impression that they brought her out sort of to say, okay, we're going to introduce you to the other side of the family now, so to speak. You know, we're going to introduce you to, to, to people, humans. I got the impression that I may have been the very first human that wasn't on board that she had ever seen and they thought for whatever reason I was a good choice like mm-hmm. you know here's some young guy you know let's they're about the same age let's see what happens yeah what is your impression on the hybrid idea what i mean i guess what do you think the motive is to create a hybrid i think of this it- sort I think it's an insurance policy, personally, and it's just a, a, a gut feeling. There are people who have a lot of experience with uh, hybrids, and some of them have slightly different takes on it. Mm-hmm. But to myself, if we were to prove problematic to ourselves or to them, and they were like, well, we got this good planet, you know, we hate to waste it. Yeah. So now that these people aren't around anymore, let's put these the closest thing we have to people up on the planet to, so that they can take over. Oh. Very interesting. So, as far as this is kind of overwhelming to me, I'm sorry. What I'm about pausing. reptilian? <laughs> like this is that's like the hot thing. Like what what demons are to like ghost hunting? Like you always hear about the reptilians and like they're bad and evil. Do, do you think they they exist or some type of race that's like that out there? Yeah. Um, uh, apart from what you guys said about them on your last show, yeah, I think that. that <laughs> what did we say on the last show? I forgot. Porn, that they're controlling a slave species through Pornhub porn or whatever. Hub. Oh yeah, that was you, Chris. <laughs> that was all you. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> He's their leader. Go ahead, Bill. Sorry. A lot of people report them. People I, I give complete credibility to report them, and yeah, they seem to have sort of a wild card emotional side. Um, sometimes very affectionate, sometimes very aggressive, and you know it's a it's a mixed bag. It seemed they they seem to be very volatile in terms of emotion. This one friend of mine, um, my favorite um, reptilian story is that he was being taken by greys, and uh, he met another uh, girl within the UFO community who was being taken by reptilians, 
and he said that their two groups showed up on the same night one night. Like, oh, like, like a standoff? Yeah, like sometimes the greys would show up, sometimes the reptilians, but one night they both showed up at the same time. Yeah, and they just, he said they had, they were just giving each other these awkward, dirty looks, and then they both left. So these are different races. <laughs> I mean, essentially, these are, these are different races. Sure. I mean, we've often heard that, that you know, the old story is, yeah, they, the, the greys are the, the benevolent and the reptilians are the malevolent. I've heard that a lot from, you know, lots of different sources as far as is concerned. One of the things I want to go back to, though, is you mentioned there was three that you've seen. I think we only got four. I'm sorry, four. We got through three. No, we got through four. What was the fourth one? Hybrid. That's the hybrid. That's what you're referring to. That's yep. the fourth one. I'm sorry. I, we just kind of... Pay attention, Scott. Ugh. Bonnie! Your mic's going off again this week. Here we oh, go. my God. Whatever. Mic's off. Bye, Bonnie. <sighs> Bonnie is in a black hole now. So... <laughs> Bonnie's loud enough; she can still be heard. All right, I'll just turn the mic back on. Okay, that's good really, call. that's really, really annoying, Bonnie. Don't do that again, please. Do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I'm sure. <laughs> so, as far as going back to Mufon, I know there is probably no shortage of stories that you have from Mufon. If you don't mind, I'd love to hear whatever whatever you find suiting, or however many you find suiting. Some of the best cases you may have uh, studied with MUFON or, or been re- reports that you've had with MUFON, I guess. Yeah, there's a couple personal ones that uh, I always enjoy telling. Um, one of them, I, uh, I'll start with the one I give credibility to. And it was a gentleman that back in 2005, it was March of 2005, gave me a call, said that um, he had uh, an experience. He was really nervous about it and wanted to uh, explain it to somebody. He was extraordinarily emotional on the phone, very broken up. And so yeah. I said, okay, you know, so we went over to his place, me and a couple of other investigators. And uh, he told his story that back in September of 2004, he, the story starts with him driving home one night. He lived in Highland and the, he was driving through a road, down a road that was very, narrow had very tall trees on either side and as he turned to bend in this road he said he saw above him a giant triangle and when i asked what he means by giant he said well it was about the size of a football stadium holy crap which is actually not uncommon people report gigantic ufos with regularity uh it's it's the craziest thing and so he said he it was absolutely silent just hanging there and he drove under it and kept driving home uh, he went home, he was panicked, he stayed up pretty late, <laughs> and the next day, he um, <clears throat> um, sleeps in as well as he takes a nap in the afternoon or whatever, and he so he wakes up from his nap. He looks out his window and he sees what appears to be a car driving over the tops of the trees at the, out, at the edge of his property. Yeah. Doesn't have any tires on the car, it's just this black yeah. wedge-shaped Vehicle. He said he saw three portholes on it, and it was just moving about the speed of a car, like maybe 45 miles an hour or whatever, over the top, just over the tops of the trees. So he's watching it, like, you know, obviously WTF, <laughs> and it mm-hmm. disappears. And so he's laying there nervous again, and he's like, after last night, you know, there's more. So he gets up, he goes downstairs, looks out his kitchen window, and it's parked in his backyard, or one that looks just like it because he lost sight of it, assuming it's the same one. Yeah. And he said it was there in his backyard for an hour. 
And so I said, you know, all the obvious questions that everybody asks, you know, everybody would ask, did you take a picture of it? And he said, no, I didn't want it to think it, I had a weapon. I'm like, okay. All right. Did you pick up the phone and try to call somebody? And he's like, no. He says that it was, you know, what if it was stuck there and there was no way for it to take off and it thought I was calling it for reinforcements. So I didn't want to make it feel threatened at all. Yeah. So, you know, I said, so, you know, what did you do? He's like, I, I sat down and I watched it for, you know, until it took off. And he goes, I drew this picture and he had a, pic- a sketch he did on a napkin. And he said after about it, as he was watching it, the portholes had this red light inside with this sort of gas moving around. And he said he saw some sort of movement inside occasionally. Couldn't yeah. really clearly make it out. And then, again, after about an hour, it uh, levitated up, uh, cocked at an angle, and then it flew out through the trees and disappeared. The unfortunate part about him calling us six months after the fact is that there was a ton of snow on the ground. Um, he had trouble locating the exact tiny little area that the thing had set down in. Mm-hmm. There was no way for us to um, pick up and perceive any physical evidence from it. Though there is an interesting sort of side note to the story is uh, the night before, uh, people there was heavy, very heavy UFO activity the night before including people were calling in the Dick Purton's show um, and saying that they were seeing uh, UFOs all around the airport. People who knew what airport normal airport traffic looked like yeah. were calling in and saying that they saw UFOs. And Purton even called the, um, the airport to find out um, if they had detected anything, and they said they hadn't. Hmm. So, there were, I mean, obviously no evidence, like you said. This was just a visual thing. I did... I mean, I, well, he can't. He couldn't answer that question. I mean, I'm sure you guys may have asked the question to him, though. Why do you think the thing just sat there and stared at your house? I mean, I mean, I don't know if that's a question that would be suitable to ask if you're que- according to your standards. And I know there's. I've seen the questionnaires with MUFON and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I don't remember them exactly, but as far as why do you think they were there? I guess why. I mean, I can ask you that question too, Bill. The first thing that you check out in a spe- in a spe- very specific case like this is are you absolutely sure it was just an hour meaning that was it possible that he detected them and um, they took him someplace and so he remembers the beginning of the experience mm-hmm. and he remembers the end of the experience where they dropped him off and yeah. then they took off but he um, claims that uh, he was able to stay in the, the normal time frame so yeah, I have no idea. Maybe something was actually wrong with their ship. It is extraordinary for uh, a ship to land for any sort of duration. Um, but this was just like like you said, though. This was just a, like an automobile. This wasn't a full-scale, like, large ship like he saw the night before. Yeah, it was about the size of a car, yeah. It was about the size of a car. So I'm wondering if, you know, he drove under that thing, and they said, hey, what do we got there? What's up with this guy? He's driving under our ship like that. And they, well, let's go check this dude out. Could let's, be. let's see what's up. What what what's this guy got going on? I mean, obviously, it seems that this man he may. It don't sound like he was abducted. It sounds like he just had these things from what he explained land on his property, spend some time on his property. Obviously, scare him half to death. <laughs> I'd be a little nervous. I mean, is there a reason? I mean, I I I know for me experiences I've had. And you said like, well, did you did you call anybody? Well, no. Did you take a picture? Well, no. You hear that a lot, I'm sure, mm-hmm. that people just say that. Is it just, do you think it's just people that they are just so in the moment of the thing? Oh, yeah. That they just, because, 
I guess an example that I like to use now is the most annoying thing to me is at concerts, people love to just put up their their phones or whatever and just tape a concert or take pictures constantly. And aside from it being rude and annoying, I think, I think it kind of, it's like, dude, this is happening in front of you right now. You know, you're, you're experiencing this thing, right? Mm. Enjoy it. I guess when it comes to going back to the whole, if you're having an experience of this sort, I think people are just so frozen that they don't want to take their eyes off of what they're seeing because it's so unbelievable, right? Yeah, there's a couple different aspects, different layers to that. And just to to complete my thought on that guy, because one makes you wonder... Well, what makes me think that this yeah. was such a good case, you know, this is a pretty outlandish story, is that mm-hmm. he was just extraordinarily broken up by this. He, The emotions on it were very strong and, mm-hmm. and very realistic to, yeah. to having some sort of dramatic experience like this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you've been around long enough, you can tell usually within a few seconds if somebody's confabulating or whatever. But um, with regards to the, and he was not with regards to taking a picture, there's a couple things. One is that the experience is generally very short. Uh, people say, yeah, you know, I saw this thing hovering in the sky for maybe about a minute, which means it might have been like 8 to 10 seconds. Yeah. We even did this uh, these exercises in our field investigator training where we would show people an object and ask them how long, you know, they they were looking at it for. And they... Yeah. They, they they wildly overestimated the time that they saw this. So if you see something, it, it would take like, oh my gosh, uh, you know, what is that? Is That shouldn't be there. Huh. <laughs> and then, you know, by the time they're like, oh, maybe I should take a picture. By that time, the thing is gone. Or uh-huh. while they're still thinking about it, by the time it takes them to, to grab their phone, yeah, get into, yeah. you know, get into a position to actually take a picture. Mm-hmm. By that time, it's over. Now, you know, to interject on that, I know when we had our thing happen, Amber, with me, you, and Tom, I think the first thing that popped in our brain, and we talked about this a few shows ago, but I think the first, just kind of hearing these ideas, I know the first thing that popped in our heads was get the camera. I guess it's because we're in that mindset all the time. We're investigators, so you know we want to get evidence, right? So the first thing that we did was grab a camera, let's start filming this thing right now. And we did, and you know, it came out really crappy. <laughs> it was tough to watch, but we—that yep. was one of the first things we did was just grab the camera and try to capture something. Uh, I think people that aren't that don't study this stuff on a regular basis, like we do, they're going to respond like you just like you just said. You just when you panic, you think about you you panic and you think about it after the fact. Because I mean, I think it's again, like you said, well, that's not supposed to be there. What is that? What, what the hell is this? Uh, it's something of the unknown, and I think sometimes. Deer in headlights, that whole idea. You're just stuck there, just staring at whatever it might be. And pictures and videos do tend to turn out pretty crappy for the most part. They do. They do. Ours is a blurry blue blob. Yeah, we thought, we were like, oh my God, we got it. We have the picture. Or, or, I'm sorry, the video. I don't think they're aliens, though. I think it's a government craft. Well, I mean, that's a whole different side of the thing. It was definitely something that I, it was not an airplane we saw that night. It was something totally different from that. And we thought we got the video until we watched it. And we're like, oh, my God. Now I have a new appreciation for all these insane, grainy videos you see on the web or whatever it might be with the people that I do believe think they have seen something, right? But, again, they shot 
what we've shot, just a grainy video that we thought we were trying. We were doing the best we could with the means we had and the time we had, too. Because this whole thing happened, what, within a couple of minutes? We were watching that thing. Okay, I'm, maybe we were exaggerating because um, I can believe that. But we had enough time. I had enough time to stop and look up and be like, Tom, what is that? Him to observe it, kind of stare at it and go, that's not a plane. Me to get you off the couch from watching watching Police Academy. Oh, yeah. You to get out on the porch. Because I move so fucking slow. Yeah. And then, I mean, so we had enough time to do all of that like, while it was zipping around. What? Go ahead. And Sorry. then it blinked out, and we had enough time to go get Tom's equipment, come back out, and yeah. it came back. So maybe it was longer than so a couple it, it minutes. Was a little, yeah. yeah, it was longer. Yeah. Um, Chris, with, with ghost hunting, do you have – have you had a lot of cases where you kind of think, hey, this might be out of the realm of dead people and ghosts and, and maybe have referred people to MUFON ever or kind of, you know? Here he comes. Well, I, I... <laughs> I like to keep my cases when I can, but uh, Bill and I have talked before. Yeah. We, I've had the pleasure of having Bill come speak to us, and it's amazing sharing some of the stories, how many times things like, oh, my God, that could have been our call, or yeah. that could have been his call. And and it, it's interesting. I think the, the world of paranormal is much bigger and probably scarier than we ever thought. Oh, God, yeah. yeah right. Bill. It's understatement. What do you think? I mean, do you, have you, I mean, not, well, we, we pulled Chris in here. I mean, has that ever happened to you guys too, maybe, where you've gotten a case that you think, well, maybe this might be more involved with ghost phenomena or something else? Has there any, I guess the question could be, have you ever received a case that they, that the person thought was a UFO, but it may have been something else, I guess, some other type of phenomena that, that may not be able to be explained? The place where I think where you you would see the overlap uh, really would be in the case of orbs, not like the the crappy pictures, but yeah. somebody <laughs> actually repeat you know re- reporting some sort of ball of light that's moving around inside their home. Yeah, and so that would be a case where there might be some direct overlap. Uh, if somebody sees a vehicle in the sky, it's probably not Victorian woman or something. No, <laughs> but. <laughs> But That'd be cool, though. It would be. What's another another uh, story from MUFON? Do you have any other uh, yeah, any the, interesting stories? The one on the flip side of of the one I appreciated going, being able to be a, a part of, which is the one I just mentioned, there was this guy, he said he had a picture of an alien, of a gray alien, and he wanted to show it to me. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, that's fine, you know, just email it along. He says, I don't want to put it out there on the Internet. I'm yeah. afraid of what might happen. I'm like, can you mail it to me? He's like, no, um, I'm afraid to put it in the mail. I know stuff gets taken out of the mail. I need to show it to you. And How did he develop it? Was it was, or was it digital? Uh, it was not digital. It, what he showed me was a developed picture. This was, gosh, at least 10 years ago, I think. Um, it just made me wonder if he developed his own photos, like if he was that scared of someone seeing it. I didn't ask about that because that is a good question. What he showed me was, unless, yeah, I, I think I remember it being sort of a glossy thing. But yeah, that's right. He, he would have had to take that extra step to, mm-hmm. to share yeah, it with whoever it. develops it. Yeah. But so <coughs> he lived an hour and a half away, and he said he didn't have reliable transportation, couldn't make it down to my area. Could I go up near his area? And so I had a friend, uh, um, Betty Ray Kaleha. She lived in Otter Lake at the time. Yeah. 
And so I said, uh, she she was somewhat close to him, and I said, uh, in terms of geographically, and I said, hey, uh, Betty, I'm like, how would you, and she was always open to having people, weird people <laughs> over her place, and so, I mean, it was a big open house of, you know, everything, you know, under the sun there. So she said, uh, I said, hey, Betty, how would you feel about this guy bringing this uh, alien picture over to your place? And we could take a look at it. And she's like, oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> so, I like her. And it was good to, to, just to have a visit with her anyway. So I drove up there, and the guy shows up, comes in and, you know, make the small talk. And then he whips out the photo. It's uh, the picture of a wood grain paneled uh, basement wall. Oh no! And if you look just the right way, a couple of the knots in the wood design almost look like a pair of eyes. It's wood, though. Not to him. Okay. So he calls me out uh, this uh, to drive, you know, over an hour to come see this picture. He can't send to me of a couple of this pattern in the wall in the basement. Oh my god! And I said. I said, are you talking about these, these little knots? Chris is nodding on this one because he's been there, done that with, with the yeah. ghost stuff. And, and the guy says, this doesn't just happen. Oh, and I'm like, it oh, does. Jesus. Oh, it does. It does. It does. It's called wood. And, and then I, uh, yeah. and he's like, well, where can we go with this? And, I, and I'm like, well, I'm going to go home. <laughs> I'm like, like, I didn't expect that question. <laughs> so then it comes to find out what he does for a living. He installs flooring. So, oh my god. So he must be running out of houses screaming on a regular basis, right? I figure. So <laughs> So but, it was just it was just a it, that's all the photo was. Yeah. was just a, but but that's there there's a good point in there, you know, well where do we go with this? Like they don't want to believe that it's just wood grain creating the shape that they're trying to find something familiar with. This is matrixing. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, that's matrixing. what happens in the ghost world all the time. That's why, like, I I will refuse if someone sends me an email, "Will you look at my ghost photo?" No. Like, I won't. Seriously, unless it's Abraham Lincoln, like, giving you a high five on your White House tour, I don't want to see it. It's, no. Mm. Again, the Matrix thing. I mean, we see that all the time with the ghost stuff. That blows my mind. I mean, how could you react to that? I mean, I know you're a nice guy, Bill. You're a much nicer person than I am. Because if I had driven an hour and a half to meet someone and they show me a photo like that, I'd be like, dude, this is a piece of wood, man. I don't know any nice way to say this to you. You just wasted my time. I mean, how could you react to that? How did you react to that? Where you just, what are you going to do? Makes it is a good story it is. now. It is where it is. I had a fun drive, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, put on my best poker face, try to be polite. I'm in a friend's house, and if this guy is somebody who thinks aliens are living in his basement wall, then I don't know what he's going to do if I uh, appear insulting to him. Yeah, well, that's a good is point, too. Is that the most outrageous story you've ever come across? Oh, it can't be. I want to hear the most outrageous. There's got to be, like, a full-on weirdo. <laughs> I imagine gotta, it's the three it people hosting the show. Uh-huh. But... Well, this night I was on this show. I'm going to play a Jeopardy theme for you. Right. I think I stumped him. Yeah, you stumped him. What are you doing? Well, you, no, that I'm means shut sorry. Bill down. What'd you do that for? I didn't mean to shut the you down. The first thing you said, you I'm shut sorry. the you, you quiet him down. <laughs> well, well upstairs I said something that made him drink, so <laughs> yeah, he actually it's <laughs> only natural that I say something and now he's quiet. Bill, uh, we'll, we'll See, keep, the, go ahead. Okay, so I have to say, uh, you know, I, I have these stories popping in my head like popcorn, and then I think. 
the last time I told this story, somebody who knew the person you got to be careful, got, right? Oh, yeah. Totally you understand. Got to be got, got, totally got, got upset with me. Yep. And this other stuff is a bit lewd for my taste. I know you're going to say yes. Yeah, what this show's about? Tell it. Tell it. But it's, it's all it's all up to you. Whatever but you want. but I I just feel uncomfortable. Who I am. Totally, totally understand. There's going to be a lot of people. Going there with the probe stories. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But does that, okay, so in a a polite way, does that happen, though? A lot of people write and they feel that that has happened to them. Yeah. Okay. Love the look on his face. Not me, but others. <laughs> well, in Just light of saying, in, Wait, I love how he okay, clarifies but no, not him. But no, let's let like in all seriousness, why does that happen in the UFO field? Why? Where did that come from? And what use would there be anyway? Like if we were, if I was a doctor and I probed Bonnie, what what benefit would I get okay, from that? Okay, wait. Last week you were getting me pregnant. Yeah. This week you're. But probing. no, I mean, I wonder if there's a historical moment where that initially came from. Who was the first person out there that said? Okay, I, Chris is giggling, and I'm trying to be serious. Okay, well, yeah, come this on. Is, this Christopher, shh, because this is actually it's a very real part that in the UFO field, and of course it's it's made to be funny all the time. Everyone giggles, South Park, you know, stuff's coming out of Cartman's ass, whatever. Uh-huh. But it's part of it. So historically, does it was there someone that, that you know of that the first case of probing Where that whole something? idea yeah, came from. Where that from. idea came from. The first one that I had seen was in Whitley Streber's communion, uh, which okay. just hit its thirty year yep. anniversary. Yeah. Yep. But yeah. Yeah. um it's not the first one if you go back Historically, um, other stories have popped up that were earlier than that one. It was maybe just him that sort of got that. He's probably the idea. one that really popularized it because that book was so big when it came out. And I don't know, he had a lot of stuff happen to him sexually, like when it came to alien yeah, stuff. Fifty Shades of Grey's. Yeah, thing. right. <laughs> <laughs> you should totally write that book. Yeah, that's, that's I'm just saying. That's Bill's next book. Now, I would buy it. Speaking of the, you know, the wood thing we talked about, that 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 insane thing. Uh, one of the things that uh, we've talked about in the past is, you know, and it's, it's not really much different with the whole ghost show thing. I mean, the, all these ghost TV shows, whatever they are, is you know, the, uh, as far as the UFO subject, there's a lot of shows, I guess, on this subject. I don't much like the ghost shows. I don't watch either of them at all, really. Um, this is screwing up your field just as much as I think as it screwed up the the, par- the, the paranormal, the ghost field, too. Oh, absolutely. How? I'm still defending um, what happened a few years ago. Um, a lot of people are still coming up to me and asking, uh, hey, um, I heard there's a UFO base under Lake Michigan. Did you hear about that TV program they did on that? And then it just I just feel that not in my stomach come back again. I was contacted, um, there's a show called Uncovering Aliens that was on okay. cable, and they, uh, uh, one of the producers called, and they said, we wanted to uh, do a show on experiencers, uh, do you happen to know any who would appear on camera? And I'm like, yes, I do. And so he's like, uh, can you contact them, see if they're interested? And within a day or two, I'm like, yep, yeah, I got two people for you. And he's, and, and he's like, and they're both in Michigan? And he's, I, I'm like, yeah, he's like, oh, yeah. that's great. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say something. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Sorry. So, <laughs> so then uh, he they're setting up the interviews with him, and then he said um, there were a number of producers from the show that, that called at one time or another and or emailed, or, and I forget some of the whomever's running together, so I'll just say the producers contacted me and asked, 
Hey, um, we heard that there's a, a story of a base, a UFO base under Lake Michigan. Mm -hmm. um, what do you know about that? Yeah. I'm like, nobody talks about that. That's not a thing. <laughs> you know, just right out there. I'm like, nope, you know. And he's like, yeah. He's like, uh, but you see all these missing uh, boats and planes over Lake Michigan. You're talking about the Great Lakes Triangle. Well, if you mean the one in Lake Michigan, not Lake Erie. Yeah, I'm talking the, about um, the Lake Michigan one. I suppose, yeah. Hmm. So he's say he's saying, you know, he's trying to probe. You know, is this something you know that that I have a lot of reports on? Maybe this is an angle we could go with. And I said, no, there's nothing to it. And so this, um, but it's compelling. Of, so that's why you're they're going to try to angle on that. Is yeah, it's it's sexy, you know. Yeah. So yeah. so they uh, contact me back again, and they say, well, how about this? Can you take a look to see how many uh, UFO reports uh, around Lake Michigan that you've had? So I said, okay, uh, I'll look through our reports last year, um, and this was I remember 2013 that these conversations were going on. I, because I remember because of the, the timing of the, the sightings that yeah. they wanted to know about. So I said, um, okay, I'll look back through last year's sightings, and I'll tell you how many were on or near Lake Michigan. So I contacted them back the next day, um, four, exactly four, either over the lake or near enough on the shore to say it was nearby the lake. And I said, four sightings? That's amazing. Uh you think so? There really is a base under there, and I said, "Well, Ugh, let's." Shit. I said, "Well, let's put this in context. We had over 400 sightings. We had 411 or 412 sightings that previous year, just in Michigan. So one percent. So yeah, just under one percent yeah. of the sightings were there. I said, if you're look, and I said this too. I said, if you're looking for a place where to to correlate the number of UFO sightings versus a body of water, you better be looking under the Detroit River. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> that's a lot more that's sightings. That's not sexy. And, no, it's not and, sexy, yeah. And so they're like, hmm, can you pull up some, you know, from previous years too? And I'm like, you know, I said, well, what's really going on here? What do you want to do with this? They said, well, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on these two um, abductees, these two experiencers. And what we'll do is on the bumper, we'll uh, put somebody talking about the story that they saw around the lake. Yeah. We won't go there with the underwater base story. Yeah. We'll just say that uh, people saw stuff around the lake. You know, And I'm like, you know, okay, knock yourself out, all right. So what they did then was they came out and filmed at both of the locations of the people that I, I, I gave them the names of. Both people I know very well. Yeah. And I was over one of the houses when they were filming um, as well, this woman who lives just outside of Lansing. But what they did as well is they invited every one of the witnesses' names that I gave to them. And first of all, of course, that entails asking the witnesses, hey, I've been contacted by these TV producers. They're interested in lake sightings, and you're one of them. Can I give them your name? And so all of those people that said yes, they invited him to this hotel in Grand Haven, got them all into a room. Huh? And, oh, I remember when that was going on. And then they uh, turned on the cameras, and they actually had that woman from the Lansing area in there. They invited her to this, too. Yeah. They, they were just going to have this town hall about UFO sightings over on the on the West Coast. Uh -huh. And so they asked the question. I wasn't there. They invited me, but I my spidey senses were tingling. I'm like, <laughs> I do not want to be anywhere near this. 
whatever it is, I'm scared. So, but I knew the person from Lansing that was there. So she would tell me everything that went on. Yeah. So they said, uh, okay, we picked this random sample of people from Grand Haven, just uh, people off the street, and we want to know how many of you have seen UFOs oh, Jesus. over Lake Michigan. Oh, come on. For and, real? And about half the people raised their hand, obviously, because they they seated the audience yeah. with those people. They invited them all in one place. And they made the Lansing witness, uh, the experiencer, they made her raise her hand, too. They're like, all right, like we're going to film this again or whatever. The, you know, So you got to raise your hand. She's like, you know, but... They got her to raise her hand. So um, so that's how the episode kind of starts. And then they start talking about UFOs making planes and whatever disappear over the lake. And then the part where they filmed her, they were there for a couple days. And one of the things uh, that they did was uh, they said, okay, um, we're going to ask uh, when the UFO left your property because she had seen a, a yeah. UFO over her property. Which direction did it go? And she said that way. And they're like, oh, towards Lake Michigan? And so they're, she, they're, they're, they're coaching her. And, and she says, yeah, it's like two hours drive that way. <laughs> and they're like, and they said, okay, we're going to film this again. Just say yes. Oh, fuck you. And then, wow. Not you, them. And then, and, then the best, and then the best part is if you can find this episode, uh, two of the guys uh, that are on their UFO investigators yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. They're on this. They're on this creek that they say is behind her house. Really, it's about a I don't know a mile and a half from her place. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So they're standing by this tiny creek, going through these woods, and and they're looking at it. And one of the guys says to each other, "I think to the other one, I think I discovered how the UFOs are able to sneak in and out of here. They go through the waterway, they dip into the water, and then they follow the river out to the to Lake Michigan. Again, this is like a two-hour drive." Um, you know, and, and 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 the other guy's like, oh yeah, maybe. I'm like, or they're UFOs. They can fly. They don't need to go through these two foot creeks. You no, know, I, out you know over half and the this state, is all literally to half get, the state to get to Lake Michigan. This is all to pull a sexy story, just yeah. to get the angle. Yeah, and I didn't know so much of it while they were filming it. I found out after the fact, and then I watched it, and then constantly i mean this show it was either late 2013 early 2014 it aired and i'm still getting people come up yeah. saying what do you think about that base under did you know that they did a tv show on it and i'm like yeah i'm kind of responsible for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's my shame well it's coming back to me this is so such a familiar story because i think we talked about it on here not you know when we when we first came back doing this show again and one of the things i said you know, back in the, you know, pre-tens, let's say, um, before the show went off the air, the original incarnation of Ghostly Talk, I got to a point with it where I would get that knot in my stomach also. When people would start talking about, I mean, people that didn't know me, maybe, people I just met didn't, that didn't know what I was a part of, what I did, would start talking about this subject over time I literally got into a mode where it's like oh well that's yeah that's great yeah I don't yeah whatever and I mean I would just more or less disassociate myself um, because I didn't want to spend not because I was embarrassed or anything like that but because I found myself spending like you spending lots of time trying to explain things down 
and say, look, this isn't how it's done. I know you love that show, and they're, they're, those people are your heroes, and that's really great. And enjoy it for what it is. It's entertainment. But I'd have to spend hours upon hours explaining to people, like, this is the reality of this thing. It isn't as fun as you think it is. It isn't a big, exciting adventure every week where you get to go to all these different places, you know, and do all this fun stuff. There's a lot more to it than that. I actually just pulled back from that. Um, and it sounds like you spent time explaining that stuff away also and the thing is it's it's because of this tv phenomena you know i don't i really don't i mean we spent a lot of time beating up on these tv shows right i think they're i think they're good for entertainment i think people should enjoy them right now the pro, the, well yeah okay go ahead go no ahead. i just think that's wrong go ahead go ahead um <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, I've, I've had quite a few really bad experiences with, with TV okay. and other ones that are I, at least on that level of that one that I just mentioned. Yeah. And, and I think that this is a, a subject, as, as is your subject uh, generally yeah. with uh, you know, the spirit world, is that, I mean, these are like the two biggest questions you know, right now. Are we alone in the universe and what happens after you die? Mm-hmm. And when it gets trudged through the mud, you know, Springer style, it just, it, it's just... It's just not fake news. Helpful. Yeah, fake it, news. It, yeah. It, it, it Alternate facts. Right? It isn't. It isn't. They're treating science like a, a sitcom. Yeah. And and it's not the people that actually know anything that are guiding this. They're producers that say, let's let's get a just a outrageous amount of time of these people talking. We'll put some stuff together, what they say, make them mm. say what we want and follow the script we want. Yeah. Just very recently, um, when a, a local news, uh, when I say local, here in Michigan, they asked me uh, with the discovery of these new planets uh, out there. Yeah. They uh, interviewed me for several minutes, and I only ended up with like a sentence or two on the news program. Yeah. They spliced two of my sentences together into one sentence. Oh. They cut the front of the one sentence off and the end and did the same to the other and made me say this thing that something didn't even make sense to me. Something that, yeah. Given that statement, Bill, I agree with you 100%. Mm-hmm. I agree. I've tried to see, because we've, we've, look, we made an art form out of shitting on this stuff. We really have. We've beat up these shows up and down. And I have tried to understand and say, well, people enjoy them. They want to be entertained. Well, I guess it is. But in the context that you're saying it in, it really is that it really is a horrible thing. You, they're taking science and dragging it through the mud, and that's really what's going on here. We're taking ideas that we've all pondered over for the last two, three decades, right, uh, in a serious manner. And the experiencers, they they really, really... I mean, here's people that, in many cases, are are very sensitive people, don't really want the limelight, get this sort of conflicted thing when somebody asks them to be on TV. Yeah. And so they agree to do it, and then they're screwed over. A couple of the experiencer uh, things that I had that went wrong is one show that... uh, There was a pilot for a show... um, it was in New York City, mm-hmm. and they wanted to do an interview experiencers and have yeah. it be a regular thing. And so, first of all, they, they had some guy say he was going to hypnotize me. And so I said, oh, you know, what experience do you have with this phenomenon or hypnotizing? He's like, well, I've hypnotized some vets. I said, but yeah, about this subject. He's like, 
oh, I, he says, I think it's a good thing that I don't really know anything about it, so I'm going into this fresh as well. I'm like, this is these are very psychologically delicate people, and you're pulling up these these deep traumatic traumatic yeah. memories, and and I said, I don't think that's right. Yeah. And so, and he was just like, oh, mm, mm, you know, yeah. you and so anyway, so he <laughs> he pretends to hypnotize me. Maybe he thinks he really did, but uh, I've been hypnotized, so I know the difference. And um, then after a while, the producers come in and they say, we need to have you cry. And I'm like, I, I just, no, I'm not going to cry. Yeah. And, 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 you know, really the reason is I, I've been so open about my stuff for so long that, you know, I, I'm not at a point where every time I tell it, it, it brings me to tears. And so they're like, we we need though we really need you to cry. This is our first show or whatever. We need some you know we need some tears. And I'm like, no. I said maybe I can breathe a little bit, <laughs> you know. But you know if you, but I and so they were really upset. And at that point, yeah. there was a real coldness between me and the rest of them, and they couldn't get me out of there fast enough. And the show never aired. And then there was another program where they flew me out to the Roswell Museum in New Mexico interviewed me for several hours and they it was sort of a broad spectrum show where they were doing um in, interviewing witnesses to the Roswell crash or family members of mm -hmm. as well as uh, exploring the possibilities of exotic aircraft of the US being possibly uh considered UFOs that sort of thing and yeah. so they wanted to have uh an abductee and experiencer on it and so they they flew me out there and interviewed me again, like I said, for several hours. And then at the end, um, the director says, he's like, you know, we can't use any of your um, material. And he says, I, he goes, the problem is, is that I believe you. He goes, what? what? <laughs> he goes, he goes, we didn't think that we didn't think you were who we were going to get. The, the show high, the show was looking for some sort of, wacky person to say you know well, they want someone man? they can make fun of yeah. yeah basically i was supposed to be the light-hearted part of the show and they're like some people actually believe they were taken aboard and where i'd be like <laughs> and they're like wait this crazy. guy's for real <laughs> you know and yeah and he said uh, he goes you were completely credible he goes i got the chills and uh, and he goes he goes we're all feeling very uncomfortable right now <laughs> and he says this That's was worth it right there he said this is not what we were asked to deliver and so you're not going to be on the show but i got a free vacation out of it yeah. got a free vacation in new mexico got a free vacation in new york but and i managed to um stop a show from um abusing somebody else who's had these types of experiences yeah. who would get you know dragged you know through their you know, circus act, and then stuck on television to be made oh. further fun of. Mocked. A you know, a lot of these shows, I think, are just aimed at making fun of people. Well, that happened to Tom. Tom was on ex one episode of Extreme Paranormal. That was what they had five episodes or four, four. <laughs> portion. <laughs> so anyway, he's on one of the episodes, and he came in as like this kind of guy in one of these hospitals where they were gonna. You you remember seeing it. Mm -hmm. it? He was like what the shaman kind of like. Yep. Here's your stones. Here's your crystals. Here's something to, you know, I don't know, whatever, protect you guys. And at the end, they, I mean, they showed Tom. He was on it, but they were like, well, if we keep doing the show, you know, we really like you and you're a nice guy, but we're not going to have you on it because um, you're too nice. Like you're you're doing the right thing with these guys and you're being too nice. 
Um, yeah, you're not you're not extreme well, enough. No, well, yeah, no, TV. I think that's just well. What, they're creating characters, even yeah, if it's a reality want, yeah. show. And you're a character, creating the characters and char- your own narrative. And characters have color. Characters have flair. Characters, they do. They're outlandish. They have these extreme characteristics, so to say, that stick out and that you can identify with and that you can impersonate. I mean, Chris, go ahead. Go ahead. Chris, do you get shows that still contact you about stuff? Because occasionally I'll get emails sometimes and they're asking for little things or we're looking for usually paranormal witness. Like that's the one I seem to get the most. Every once in a while there's a casting call that goes out for different types of new paranormal shows. I think the worst concept I heard was uh, naked ghost hunting. Did that, yeah. ever, did that ever happen? No. I it don't got struck think down. So. What? Naked That's so ghost stupid. hunting? That's so stupid. Yeah, that actually... And I'm sorry, I have to say this. Um, the average ghost hunter, I would not want to see naked. Well, yeah. <coughs> that was the first thing that well, I thought. Well, I mean, I, other than you well, yeah. on date eight. But <laughs> uh, yeah, we're way past date eight, I thought. <laughs> no, we just had date seven at the beginning of the show, remember? <laughs> you it, and I on date seven? eight, it, then naked I'll see hunting. you naked. Yeah, we'll go naked ghost hunting. And I'll probe you. But um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, because I want to know what benefit that gets. I think I, I think I know where part of the show we're at now. Special DNA. Bill, thank you so much for joining us, man. I have to say, you know, and I mean, that it's a real eye-opener, I mean, I haven't thought so much about this whole the whole TV thing with with the UFO shows, but it's very easy just to, you know to mess up the facts the same way they do with the ghost shows. Let's say, right? It's the same idea. It's pushing out, and I'm with you on that. You know, it's pushing out all this garbage information, all this noise out to people because it's exciting to them. It's not exciting to researchers like this. It's one thing I've always told people that were interested in the TV shows. I'm like. If they were to really like put on screen what was happening at a real investigation, it would be off people the air would in a be couple bored days. To tears. Yeah, you'd be bored to tears. It'd just be people sitting around, running recording, running audio, being real quiet, trying not to uh, contage. I'm sorry, make a mess out of the area. Make you know, make make mess up their evidence. Do whatever it might be. Uh, it's a very sterile type of thing that's going on. So it's not made for TV, but somehow they have done that, and you know, for the UFO stuff and the ghost hunting type fields, and Bigfoot, and Bigfoot, yeah, yeah. and cryptozoology, all those things, and it really—I mean, I have really tried to, you know, go easy on them and go, well, it's entertainment, let people have fun, I guess, but really, it is dumbing people down like most reality TV does. It just dumbs people down. Um, well, and then people think that's actually how it's supposed to be done. Well, yeah, go ahead. And and what makes it uh, compounds the issue, too, is people that skip even going to investigators and make up stuff and post it right on YouTube or, you know, share it through some other avenue of social media. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, constantly there's the next big UFO sighting that is for sure real. And then within about 15 minutes, somebody tears it, manages to tear it apart. And then the next one comes up and that leads people to, to sort of just tune out and say, I'm not interested in this. Yeah. Next one, you know, until it's vetted, you know, don't don't come to me and tell me about this next big UFO sighting. Mm-hmm. Remember one, uh, just if I could share, I don't yeah, know. How yeah. we're doing. Oh, no, we're fine. No, as long as you want to go. There was, there was one that really got people hot and bothered uh, a couple of years ago of uh, the video appears to show this uh, 
scintillating white light zipping around somebody's backyard, shooting beams of light down into the backyard. I saw that video. Yeah, and, it was all over the, the social media. And and so then, you know, then a lot of people, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? Is this real? Is this real? And so me and a couple of the other people, investigators and MUFON, we put our heads together. And it, um, first of all, they said that the, the video was um, filmed from somebody's security camera, like their backyard security yeah. camera. To me, and... You know, the tiny red flag started going up because one of them, I'm like, who's got this fancy HD, you know, backyard camera? Well, <laughs> you know, sometimes people are weird, okay, yeah, but that's, yeah. you know, the first tiny red flag. And then uh, another one of my friends, an investigator from another state, says, he goes, uh, he goes, okay, my first red flag is the fact that it's in the center of the screen. It comes down directly in the center, not from off to the side anywhere, but somehow it's not off frame at all. Yeah, it's, it's just right just magically, you know, this the camera that's supposed to just be parked out there. This thing comes down directly at it. So I download it, and I'm I'm blowing up the video to to try to figure out like, okay, how could something like this be faked? Yeah. And when I blew up the video, I noticed this light that was beaming down. First of all, what you can notice before you even blow it up is that the light. Uh, coming off the UFO isn't always directly under the UFO. <laughs> it's kind of off to the side sometimes. Yeah. It, it mostly matches, but not 100% of the time. Yeah. So that's kind of goofy. And then, so when I blew it up, I noticed that the light that was coming down allegedly from it is conical going up. Mm -hmm. As if somebody was running around the, ba the backyard with a flashlight, shining it up into the trees. And there were some certain parts of it where the light would beam off the ground into the bottom of a tree and the, the scintillating light would be above it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, so that's way off. And then so um, I started to experiment at home and I am I would say I figured out how it was done with some 90-some percent certainty. Yeah. Which is they started off, this camera, maybe it's somebody's security camera or not, who knows, but it started off with somebody running around, sure enough, and this could be a one-person job. Yeah running around the backyard every once in a while, shining a flashlight up into the sky. Then they took that footage, played it on their television. And while it's playing on their television, what they did was their, their flat screen TV, they took a, a powerful laser and they pointed it at the TV, trying to do their best job to match the light with the laser um, beam that's, that's on the TV yeah. all the time filming the TV screen. Yeah, from another with another camera. Yeah. All right. And there you go. Ah. And it looks interesting. I'm like, wow, that's pretty creative, but not authentic and a big uh, headache. Let's talk about your book for a second. Yes, I'm holding it. She's been holding it up for like You're the last You're still selling hour. this, right? You still when you go to conferences and stuff, you have this with you, right? Yeah, sometimes it does real well, other times not so well. Yeah, that's the story of any writer's life. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, Bill wrote a book called Experiencer Raised in Two Worlds, and then we'll put links up on the site too as well. But, yeah, for sure. Um, I bought this book when we first met Bill, and I've talked about this on previous podcasts already, so I'm not going to go into it, but uh, aliens terrify me. I've had creepy dream experiences that, all, that seem all too real, so when I got... My autographed book from Bill. I sat down one night and I'm like, I, I can do this. I can do this. And I started reading. And I wrote a blog post about this too. So maybe we'll throw a link on it. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know if I want to do that. And uh, <laughs> it's my writing. So go, um, go get her. Right. Go get and her. Uh, anyway, 
two chapters in, I had to put the book down because I was too spooked out. And I'm like 26, 27. And so I'm like, no, I'm just going to go to bed. So then I'm like, no, I, I got to turn the light back on. This is There's aliens coming to get me. And then I turn the light on, and the cover of his book has, which I posted on the Ghostly Talk Facebook page, so you can go look and see it there. But it's got, like, this spooky alien on the cover, and it was, like, just staring back at me. So I had to turn the book around on the floor. <laughs> and then I turned off the light again. Then something jumped on my bed. It was my cat. Finally, I couldn't sleep. I had to, like, actually put on a Wayne Dyer PBS special that was, like, uplifting to get myself to stop thinking about what I read in Bill's book. Now, I'm not saying that this is going to terrify every reader out there, but I think if you're sensitive to alien stuff, it's like it's spooky because Bill is sitting here. You've heard him speak. He's sensible. He's normal. He's not batshit. He's not running around like crazy. He's not like seeing stuff in the speakers behind him like there's aliens in the marshals. <coughs> um, the, Marshall, so, the Marshall cabinet. Whatever. Yeah, what, whatever. Describe okay. your environment. The Marshall cab. Martians and the Marshalls. Yeah. Martians and the Marshalls. The there we go. Perfect. So. <laughs> okay, Scott's singing now. It just popped in my head. I anyway, so it's a really good account of um, Bill's, like, going what back to your birth experiences, mm-hmm. into your teens. There's a, there's a chapter back here where it looks like you're not, it doesn't look like, obviously, it's from that many years ago. It's a sleep study. Why did you do the sleep study? They, uh, they contacted, uh. Um, the, the MUFON group and they wanted uh, to do this it was a, a hospital in Detroit and they were doing a study they said on, on sleep, different sleep issues and they wanted to know if the, there was a possibility that what experiences were actually experiencers, abductees were actually a, um, experiencing was uh, just sort of uh, either hypnagogic or hypnopompic um, hallucinations. Which, what's the difference between those two words? Um, so hypnagogic <laughs> is when you're drifting into sleep. Hypnopompic is when you're waking okay. out of sleep. And But basically, yeah, same thing. So they um, got a sample of people that said that they had experiences and a control sample. And they had everybody sleep for three nights in the hospital, all wired up like crazy. Everything was wired seemingly head to toe. And they're like, okay, Did you, you get know, a private room relax. or were you guys like in a big sleepover party? <laughs> yeah, we were all wired together. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we had to go to the bathroom, there were five people. <laughs> Let's all go. go. <laughs> Safety chain. <laughs> no. no, we were all by ourselves. Okay. And I never saw any of the other people in the study from either the, you know, the abductee or the, the control group. And at the end of the study, after three nights, um, yeah, they, they gave an, and a really long um, interview process beforehand. And when it was all done and they, they called me in to receive my results yeah. and give me a debriefing, they said that I kind of blew their study because I slept better not only than the other abductees, uh-huh. but better than everybody in the control group. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I slept better. I had the, I had the most experiences and the most uh, memory and recall and everything but uh, somehow I managed to um, yeah have the best sleep incredible so you gotta get abducted a few times Scott and you might start sleeping better I sleep fine no you don't you, you open the show talking about how you slept. Crappy. I had a bad week. Yeah, and I, I had a lot of stress this you week. You scream and you toss and you turn and you still. You've already talked about this. We Why have. do I keep pushing that out Sorry, there? Sorry, reiterating. Whatever. I'm not going to say it again. What do you do that to me for? I, okay, I, I, I well, just so you know, Bill. Yeah, I was screaming in my sleep. I mean, it wasn't screaming like blood curdling. <laughs> <It> was- <laughs> 
Why not drink Phil? Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't like blood curdling. I guess what was it? Amber? You yelled. I mean, you were yelling. You were like, oh, like I don't know what exactly, but I, it, you were yelling. Currently, I was on the Jerry Springer show. Yeah, also. something Springer. Uh-uh. So yeah, I, I don't know. You get combative. I've heard you yell, get sassy. Get you have a tood. Sassy is my. He part. has a he has a sleep tood. He's a sleep tood. <laughs> getting sassy in my sleep. All right, anyways, I I don't want to talk about my sleep anymore. We're going to work on this some more, Chris. I, I think, <laughs> I don't know if you still He's want going to. to. Ghostly Talk Dream Warriors. Dream Ghostly if it talk. kills him. <laughs> We're gonna, You're going to end with that song that t- this time. You want to yes, do you do. use Dream yes. Warriors? Yes, yeah, please. I totally screwed it up end last week. Dokken. We should have used Dokken. We'll use Dokken this week. Now we have to because now we've said it. So we'll use Dokken this week. Bill, thank you so much for joining us and hanging out yeah, here. Thank right you, on. Bill. Um, it's, been, it's, it's been a little while. We haven't seen each other in a little while. So it's just good to hang out and just, just, get, just catch up a little bit. Hopefully we can have you back again sometime. Uh, Chris, thanks for joining us also. Like I said again, we're going <laughs> to keep working on this Sleep study, I guess we'll call it. I mean, what, what, what we have going on. Or an informal sleep study. I, you've had a little success, but I've had no success whatsoever. Uh, I think I have to clear my mind. That's going to be very difficult for me to do. So anyways, that's it. This is uh, another Ghostly Talk here. I'm Scott L. I'm Bonnie. Amber. 